What's up, Philadelphia? Welcome to another episode of Scotty Talks Philly Sports. Uh, I'm here with my man Phil, uh, Beard of Knowledge. And remember to throw that uh, that that follow on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Facebook, all about the birds, A-A-T, birds. See, I got it down that time, Phil. Did did you write a little note on the top of your screen so you wouldn't forget? (laughs) No, it's because I write for you guys now, so Ah, I got it down, man. That's right. (laughs) Check out the all-new All About the Birds website where he's writing for you. He's already put out some good stuff. Get some merch, man. Go buy some merch. You know, enjoy it, man. We got got a lot of different stuff going on on the website, too, man. The... uh, Got some different takes, some fantasy football, you know, Absolutely. some power rankings. Uh, yeah, all different things going on. Yeah, there. and it's from right. all around the you know NFL. What, you know, you know what today cool. is, right? Three weeks from opening kickoff, you know? Oh, yeah, I know man. we might be frustrated about the fly or the Sixers and the Phillies, but we're three weeks away from football, man. Yeah, we need that ASAP, man. Because, you know, with the birds, I can, like, go week to week. Even if we have a loss, it's just not that bad. You know, I can yeah. find the positives and – I don't know. It's just different. I'm, I'm like, on a whole other level with the birds, man. So football. Yeah, it's football, literally. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, just uh, go. feel free to give uh, my man Phil a follow on Twitter, um, and, as well as all about the birds. Remember, follow uh, my account, my sports account, Sports one on Twitter, Instagram, um, and then my personal account, Scotty Brown on uh twitter and instagram as well subscribe 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 subscribe. we're still pushing to get to 100 subscribers we're getting closer and closer each episode um so we do appreciate everybody that uh takes the time to listen um we're we're working on getting these these episodes out faster man because i i I see you know the lag and um you know you wait too long especially in these playoffs and it's it's irrelevant within a day you know what i mean so we're working on getting these episodes out next day and, uh, you know, getting ahead of the curve. But um, thanks for everybody that uh, tunes in, you know, checks out our stuff. Make sure to check out the All About the Birds website. We're writing every day. We're putting out new articles every day, keeping you guys covered on all the NFL news. Um, so, yeah, we'll get right into it today. Uh, <laughs> really downtime as far as, uh, you know, the Sixers. We'll get into that, what's going on with that franchise. It, it's a whole lot of uh, disappointment and frustration, and it's all going to come out this offseason, and um, we'll talk about that. Going to preview the Flyers-Islanders. It'll be a very interesting series. It's going to be a tough matchup for the Flyers, of course. Every matchup going here on out is going to be really tough. It's the best of the best at this point. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into these Phillies trades, you know, the way the Phillies are trending right now. Um, also very disappointing. They're so inconsistent. You know, you go from winning four in a row to, to losing five in a row. We'll get into it. (laughs) So we'll, um, we'll start with the Flyers. You know, they got to close out the Canadians on Friday. Um, I think it was what was it three to two or four to three three to two okay Um, as far as the Friday night score I know we beat them four to two in the series Um, so just briefly what was your takeaway from that Canadian series and and how do you feel going forward what do you feel like needs to happen 
Well, the first thing that I really, really stood out that I was really happy for in that last game, they finally broke this night and got a couple power play goals. Um, yeah. There's no way they can go the Islanders series without scoring on the power play and win that series. So they definitely got to do that. Um, and, of course, you know, that Canadian series, I mean, it's Carter Hart. It was the Carter Hart show the whole entire time. You know, there was the, – the team didn't play as well in that series as they did against, you know, the three teams in the uh, the playing games or the uh, round right. round. Games. Um, they didn't look as crisp. They didn't look as fast. Whether that's <clears throat> a little bit of their youth showing and, you know, their older players getting tired, I don't know. But they definitely got to get back to playing as they did in the beginning of the bubble versus the Canadian series because it, it just wasn't – it wasn't a, a, a clean win, you know. They, I mean, they were clearly the more talented team, and that's what, you know, got them over the hump. But it wasn't, you know, I was on the edge of my seat and worried in every single one of those games. So they definitely got to clean up their uh, their play, uh, play a lot there. Yeah, so I'm – yeah, I, I thought the same thing as you. Um, you know, you saw in those three play-in games, those round-robin games – they were playing better teams as well, you know, statistically and ranked higher, better records, more points, um, everything. So, you know, you, you look at it, you're playing the Caps, the Bruins, and who was the other Tampa. team they played? Tampa. Tampa Bay, yeah. So those are, you know, the Best top teams. teams right there. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Caps are gone now. They lost to the Islanders, and they got handled pretty pretty uh, swiftly by the Islanders. Um but, yeah, I, I just thought we, we really struggled with Canadian speed and physicality, which, you know, with such a Philadelphia – you know, we go by that Broad Street bully, you know, style of play, and it's like this team doesn't really match up with that type of nickname. They're not the bullies out there, you know. They're more of the skill and, you know, playing great – they do play pretty good defense, I will say. But, like you said, they rely on Carter Hart a lot. And, uh, you know, Carter Hart – with those two shutouts, he saved that series for us. You know what I mean? And um, I just think going forward, you know, I, I thought towards the end of the Canadian series, they started to get more physical. I know Niskanen, uh, Niskanen got suspended for the that last game there uh, for cross-checking Brendan Gallagher, um, which I, I thought that was a good thing. I, I thought it was good that they were, you know, getting physical back. Brendan Gallagher was out there cross-checking the entire night, so he finally got some retaliation. Uh, yeah, sorry, have a suspension, but you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that was a hockey play, man. Just because yeah. the guy's leaned over and and you go to check him, that I mean, that's not your fault. And it, and it's only because he broke his jaw. That's the only reason he got suspended. It was you know a player for a player type thing. And um, I just think if they take that energy of those last two games, because you started to see the chippiness in that game five, where the the Canadians kind of you know embarrassed them in that game five. Because the Flyers, I, I believe they, they were down 2-1 to one, or maybe 1-0. And then they got two power play go, goals on that uh, major penalty. It was like a five-minute power play. They got two power play goals, and then the Canadians come back right after the power play and get two more goals to go up by one, and then they end up beating us 5-3. to three. Um, But, you know, they were talking smack that game. They were pushed, you know, being physical. And then you finally saw it at the towards the end of the game, you know, Coots goes up and just blindsided somebody, you know, after they scored a goal in the empty net. And then uh, Voracek comes in and, you know, cleans out. And, and, and you just finally saw the chippiness. It was like they were awake at that point, which I thought was good coming into this series. Um, like you said, with the Islanders, uh, you're, you're coming into a series where you're playing a very similar team to the Canadians. The Islanders well, – 
similar in a sense because they they're very fast in the same way you know canadian the canadians looked significantly faster than us skate wise and um the the difference is the islanders play great defense from what i'm hearing you know what i mean so um it'll it'll be interesting the the islanders are another team with a, a lot of young offensive uh fast skaters uh they know how to shoot the puck um but it's not overwhelming especially with the flyers defense you know what i mean the alarming thing from that first round series, I think, and it's and it's been the whole playoffs, you know, with Konechny and and Giroux and just our offensive guys have got to step up and get yeah. some points this this series. We're gonna need it. Um, you can't go Hayes, another series and expect to win with G Coots and TK. No goals. They haven't scored what so six, so nine games, and all yeah. three of them are goalless. That you're not gonna continue to succeed like that. Yeah, and if they start scoring, and if the team as a whole starts scoring better, take some of the pressure off of Carter Hart too. Exactly, man. Give him some some leeway there. You know what I mean? So he doesn't feel like every goal could cost him the game. And um, yeah, I mean, we saw good things out of Kevin Hayes. He's been really good. Um, Voracek has been really good. Uh, he's leading the team in points in the playoffs right now. But we, we just need these other guys to get on, you know, and, and get on their snide and, and get going as we go down this playoff line. Not everybody's going to start out hot. But, you know, Travis Konechny has looked really uh, suspect in, in, that, in that first series. He's looked, uh, I don't want to say soft, but just out of whack, I would say. Uh, so I'm really hoping for him to get, get it together. You know, he's our leading point scorer uh, from the regular season. So hopefully we can get him going. Um, so, you know, I, I was looking at the Islanders and the Flyers matchup. Uh, I went down there, you know, just the regular season matchups. So the Flyers actually went 0-3 against the Islanders this season. Um, so, which, you know, that's, that's not that just, good at all. Yeah, it's not great at all. Um, to be fair, uh, two of the games, I believe, were in uh, overtime, and one of them were lost to a shootout. So... They were close games, you know what I mean? They were, they were battling games. But like I said, that the Islanders played great defense, which that's something that could cause the Flyers to struggle. Um, but on the same end, you know, they're not great offensively, so it could balance out in that aspect. Um, I, look, I looked at the uh, stats from the first three games. You know, Matthew Barzell and Ryan Pulak, they absolutely killed us. Um, Barzell, I think, had – he had like three goals between the three games, uh, and then like what was it? I think like eight points between the three games. So you know he was just racking them up against us. Um, if we look at the goalie matchup, which I thought was pretty interesting, I, I just wanted to see because I haven't watched a lot of Islanders this year. Uh, I wanted to see what their goalie was like compared to Carter Hart. So this playoffs, uh, these these playoffs so far, including the round robin. Um, their goalie, uh, Varlamov, Varlamov is 7-2, and two, uh, 1.67 goals per game. Uh, he has 212 saves, .934 saving percentage, uh, 15 goals allowed, 227 shots attempted. So you compare that to Carter Hart, who we feel has, you know, performed great this, this postseason. Like, he's been the best player on our team. Absolutely. Carter Hart's sitting at 6-2, and two, uh, 1.71 goals per game, 217 saves, a .943 save percentage, 13 goals allowed, and then 230 shots attempted. 
So they're neck and neck as yeah. far as their production right now. Um, I don't see a mismatch, uh, you know, either way in that end. We will see, um, you know, the Flyers, based off their head – not head-to-head statistics playing against each other, but just their basic statistics, you know, throughout the regular season, the Flyers are better than them in everything except for power play goals given up and the shorthanded goals given up. So – Everything else, they rank better than the Islanders. It's just a matter of putting it together against that team, which you just hope that it's not a bad matchup and that it was just, you know, really competitive games that just didn't go their way. That's what I'm kind of hoping with this. Um, I did want to get a prediction from you for the series, though. Nah, man. I bombed <laughs> that last prediction. My Flyers sweeped in last two games. That was Flyers playoff hockey hype, that prediction. Okay. Yeah, we were, you know, we were happy to be back in. I know I had said four and one. I was wrong as well. But um, we were just hyped. You know, we were ready to see them. They went three and oh in the round robin. So it was yeah. hard not to. Yeah, over, we were all hyped up and ready to roll. We were all flying yeah. up. I, I mean, mean look, what I, look what I said with the Sixers, man. <laughs> I'm out here getting, they're embarrassing me. Yeah, that's, that's another topic. Uh, yeah, Flyers, of course. I think, I think the Flyers will win the series realistically um i was coming onto the show i didn't do the islanders research like you did you know i was thinking probably another maybe a five game series flyers win but it, it probably after hearing some of the things and some of the numbers and how they beat up on us earlier this year i mean i realistically it could go six games but the flyers should win again it's, yeah. it's going to come mm-hmm. down to their main goal scorers getting off the snide scoring some taking the pressure off of carter hart um there's another back-to-back, I believe, games three and four, games two and three in the series. Um, I could see uh, – because I think Hart's – one of his worst performances were in that back-to-back there. Um, so maybe they, they give uh, – what's his name? Elliot a, a, a spot and goal, and maybe that works, maybe it doesn't. But, uh, yeah, I, I see it 4-2 Flyers. I, you know, they didn't put enough confidence in me against the Canadians to go any uh, shorter than that. So. But, so I, but I still think they – are more than capable of beating the Islanders, you know, easily to an extent. Yeah, so I'm in the same boat. Um, I'm thinking four and two, um, maybe seven games, maybe. Yeah, I thought about that too. You know, it depends where, you know, some of those games swing. Um, I'm going four and two with the confidence. You know, I I just think the Flyers, they have played not even their best so far, and they've done well. Carter Hart's excelled. He's he's been better than what – you know, we even expect. Um, and, and I think we, we should take care of business at this point. If we can get our offensive guys going, then we're going to be even better. You know what I mean? So the defense is already rolling. The goalie's rolling. You know, we were able to get some power play goals going towards the end of that series against the Canadians. Let's just find our full groove and let's hit stride right here and we can take care of business. That's the way I look at it. Um, we were a better team than them during the regular season. Obviously, the matchups didn't go the way we wanted to. Um, but even at 0-3, we were still better than them in that – you know what I mean, in that overall yeah. sense. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's let's just get out there and play some Flyers hockey and, you know, play like the number one seed, and I think we can take care of business. What, what time's tomorrow night's game? I believe it is at 7. Yeah, right. so I'll be I'll be tuned in. Yeah, yep, exactly, man, exactly. The hype starts all over again. Woo! <laughs> At least they're in the second round, man. I am. I'm happy. I'm, I'm changing my prediction. Let's go sweep. Let's get fired <laughs> up. <laughs>
<laughs> I like it, man. Confidence. That's what we need right now in Philly, man. Yeah, because so, everything else is so depressing in Philly sports right now. <laughs> to say the least. So we'll, uh, we'll jump to the Sixers, man. Um, obviously, you know, just a ton going on with the Sixers. We will um, – let's just start here. You know, today Sunday. Sixers play at 1 p.m. We getting swept today. Does it matter? You know, I, I know what you said on Twitter. You know what I mean? It doesn't really matter. We're just prolonging the inevitable. Yeah. We're not going to win the series at this point. You know what I mean? There's zero shot there. The Celtics have looked better than us at every aspect of basketball, coaching, management, you know, roster construction, yeah. talent, play on the, you know, no, hard, not, play actually, harder. I don't think they're more talented. I think we have the <laughs> yeah. more talent on our team. It comes yeah. to the management and the coaching and stuff like that. That's where we get outdone. Yeah. and Brad Stevens is everything that Brett Brown is not. Exactly. And just to your point, you know, from game one to game two, um, where I was, I was begging Brett Brown for, you know, adjustments, adjustments, adjustments. He made the adjustment of the starting lineup going into the game. You know, we get that 25 to 11. But as the game goes on, you hear, you know, the commentators talking about Brad Stevens and how after that first game, even though they won, he still made adjustments to make them better going forward. He wasn't just content with that win in the first game because it was a closer game in the first game. They come out, blow us out in the, in the second game. We, we cut it close in the third game, you know. But my whole thinking with that third game was that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum – we're both in foul trouble in that game and we were just barely able to hang on. You know what I mean? We were just clinging, you know? And um, the thing is you see the Sixers like that second game at the beginning of the game where they're playing offense correctly. They're driving into the lane, passing it out to the open shooter, then dishing it down to Embiid with space, not getting Embiid the ball out by the three point line. You know what I mean? Posting up out by the three point line. That's not going to work. And um, you saw it at the beginning of the game. They were flowing. They were getting good shots. And then they just fall right back into the same shit. And, they're, you know, you see Josh Richardson going up against defense. He's not going past anybody. He's just running into a wall and then turning around and hoisting up the shot. You know, they're playing one-on-one basketball. They look to Embiid, and then they stand around when Embiid has the ball in his hands. Yeah. He's getting double-teamed, and they want – you know what I mean? When they so, dump it in, they just got to make that simple cut down the line so it takes the double team off of him. Exactly. I mean, it's, just, it's basketball 101. Me and you, we know nothing, but we know it. But yet the coaches that are being paid in the NBA and on that team can't get those guys to do that for some reason. It's, it's baffling. Exactly. It's that simple. Dump it in and cut down. Take that double team away. It just – Exactly. Every time. And, um, you know, it, it's simple stuff like that. Simple stuff, you know, those first two games of the series – you have Kimball Walker saying, this is the most space I've played with in, you know, in years. So he's never even – he's, like, shocked and excited to get to play our defense of, you know, dropping that big man on the screen and roll back to the paint and you get a wide-open shot. So, I mean, Brett made adjustments going into the third game, and it's like, you guys haven't already even practiced, you know, hedging a screen? Like, that is basketball 101. You should have all of that in your arsenal. You know what I mean? Not to have to wait a game to switch to that. You should be able to do that as an in-game adjustment. You know what I mean? So just little stuff like that, it's just mind-boggling, which leads us to the next point. You know, Brett Brown, 
he's gone. Obviously, they, they what, canceled practice yesterday. Um, that was a little odd in general. Um, they, I don't they, know. They, they, they came out later and said they were doing some film study. I think, I think it's a little late in the season to just do film study, you know? Yeah. And yeah. an optional shoot-around. That's basically his team saying, I, yo, we're not showing up tomorrow. Right. You know, that, that, that's it, you know? So, so to your point, uh, do you think that that was kind of, you know, like Brett Brown's time to kind of just meet with the team and maybe just say his goodbyes? Like, I saw your tweet earlier today um, that Brett Brown might be out the door by 7 o'clock tonight. So No, I, I didn't say he will be. I said, should he be? Yeah, yeah. Because I have this feeling that they're going to pull a Phillies last year with Gabe Kapler and drag the firing out, you know, a few weeks and all. You know, it's obvious that he's going. There's no debate about it. There's no way this team can bring him back. So just get it done. So we can start talking to whoever, whether it's the Tyrone Lewis, the Van Gundys, whoever you want. We can debate that 100 times over on other shows. But just get it done with and get it over yeah. with. Because then they have to sit down and decide whether they're going to keep or get rid of Brett, or Elton Brand also. Because that's yeah, another yeah. debatable topic there. So the quicker you get rid of Brett Brown, the quicker you can move on to all the other tough decisions. And on the flip side, bringing people in quicker so that they can start formulating their plans, who they could trade, start talking to the other GMs. There's so much that has to happen this offseason. The Sixers just need to sit down and just do it right away. By, set, by the time first pitch of the Phillies game tonight – it should be done, but yeah. it probably won't be. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's no point in wasting time. Um, similar to what you said about, you know, the Phillies and Gabe Kapler. You, I mean, you saw uh, like a week after the offseason, Gabe's still going into the office and going in, you know, mingling with the front. And so it was just weird all around. And I know the Sixers have like this strong connection with Brett Brown. You know, you – you want to feel like you owe him something, but you've given him more than enough time to, to do something with time. these. Yeah. yeah, with this team that has two cornerstones of talent, and then you got guys like Tobias Harris on the team. Um, which, by the way, I know he's been totally disappointed, Tobias Harris. But I, I think we've found out that he is not a number two guy. He's he's a number three, number four guy, and he's a number and, three guy. and that's fine. Um, yeah, Sucks that you're paying him a max contract. But, you know, he, I think when he's in that third or fourth role, you saw last year when Jimmy was there to be that number two guy there. Because Simmons isn't a scorer. He's not going to be your number two scorer. But um, he, Tobias, you know, he didn't thrive in the number three role, but he, he actually played way better than what he played this, season, uh, this postseason, which I was just totally shocked. I don't know what happened with that. Um, I have seen a lot of buzz, you know, with Stan Van Gundy just because he was commentating the games. And he was he was saying some good stuff, I would say, uh, about Joel Embiid specifically. Uh, how I would coach Joel Embiid, get your ass in the paint. like. <laughs> but uh, I, at the same time, he can spread the floor and hit a couple threes here and there. So I, I get that. I do think he settles for the jump shot a little too much. Um, but when they're giving you that and you're tired at the end of the game, you know, it's easy to settle for it after you've made a couple earlier in the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of coaching prospects. I think some new energy in general could spark this team, um, which gets me to, you know, Elton Brand, do you think – I know I, – I don't think it's likely he's fired or that we clear the entire house. Um I think it's something to definitely consider, uh, especially after this roster construction. I see the blame going to him and Brett Brown as far as roster construction. I'm not sure how much 
you know, leeway Brett Brown gets with that uh, as far as, you know, that Al Horford contract, for instance, um, you know, the trade for Tobias, all these trades, you know, since like during, you know, during the process, after the process. Um, so it's hard to, you know, just shift the blame around. Brett Brown is just, it's not even about the roster construction for me. It's about his coaching in general. It's not about anything else anymore. Um, I think he's a good person overall. I just think that he's lost his voice. You know, we've talked about this already. Um, yeah, it happens, man. And, you know, Andy Reid was a great coach, went on to win a Super Bowl with Kansas City, lost his voice in the Eagles locker room. You know, it happens, and it, and it happens to the best of them. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know about Brett Brown. I'm sure he'll get another job, you know, maybe assistant coach, something like that somewhere else and build up. Maybe he could get another I think he'll get another coaching opportunity. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, he did some good things, you know, with the, with this team. It just was not good enough. And maybe it's the Mark Jackson, you know, in Golden State where he builds that team back to a playoff contender but can't get him over that next hump. And, you know, Steve Kerr comes in and yeah. wins a championship the next season. So, as far as, you know, what's wrong with this team, um, there's a lot wrong. You know, I'm not just shifting it all on to Al Horford. Um, but I think that is the biggest mistake and the biggest, you know, asset on the team that is going to cost us this offseason if we can't get rid of him. Um, what do you think it will take to get rid of Al Horford's contract? Well, obviously it's a big contract, so you're going to have to have another team that has a big contract that they have to get rid of, obviously. Right. Um, but on the flip side of the equation, every single team in the NBA knows that we want to get rid of Al Horford. I mean, it's just plain as day. Everybody knows it's not working. We're not going to put him on the bench for a whole season and have a $100 million guy sitting on the bench behind him beat. You know, so it's going to take, and I know it's a very unpopular opinion, and I've tweaked it a little bit in the last day or so, but it's going to take probably that 21st pick and it's going to take Matisse Teibel mm -hmm. going out of town. And I kind of I've tweaked it a little bit because he's, he's kind of coming on the last game or two and showing a little bit again is it's either going to take Matisse or Shake Milton going out with that pick and Horford. Like everybody talks about Buddy Heald and that Buddy Heald went out of Sacramento and he would look good in that two spot on our team. It's, 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 it's a good fit. But Sacramento's not just going to give up Buddy Heald for Al Horford. They know they can keep Buddy Heald on that team. He just might be disgruntled, but he's still doing something. Al Horford has to go. So they're going to want something. And mm -hmm. I, a team like Sacramento, how their team is set up with, you know, Darren Fox and some other good scores on that team, a guy like Matisse Teibel would be perfect as that defensive, you know, force on that team. Um, so it's going to take 21. It's going to take Matisse, and it's going to take Horford for Buddy Hill. Now, I haven't looked at some of the other potential spots yet, but, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to get rid of Matisse, but personally, you can find a great defensive player in the draft. You know, even with that, we have the 34th and 36th pick in the draft, the two early second-round picks. You can repackage those two picks and move back up into the late first round, maybe, or even at those spots, get two guys. There, there's plenty of defensive-minded college kids that you could bring in here. Matisse, I, I just don't see it him offensively growing enough. And I know it's only yeah. his yeah. year, but if anything, he's regressed offensively this year, not, not you know, prog progress. So, you know, if you want to give him up, I'm, I'm okay. I know it's not a popular opinion, but, you know, you, you probably have to move on from him to get rid of Al Horford. And to your point, uh, that was like – that was basically my next question was, you know, are, who's untouchable? So, we – 
obviously, I know, I know you, me and you, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are untouchable. It's not in the question, especially without seeing a new coach. Um, but, you know, Matisse and Shake Milton, they are two young pieces on, you know, rookie, uh, young contracts, cheap contracts. That, um, that Shake contract is the one. That's where his, yeah. his value is with his potential. But I, it's like $2 million a year for the next, like, three years or something like yeah. that. It's, it's even, I think it's even cheaper than Matisse's contract. I mean, it's a steal of a deal. So some team is going to probably salivate over that contract with his potential and all. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely something to, to consider there. Yeah, but um, to your point about Matisse, love Matisse. You know, he brings good energy on defense. He's got active hands. Uh, he does have a rare instinct for, you know, stealing, and, you know, blocking shot, just defensive instincts. Um, but at the same time, you do and, – and it is immaturity. He is just a rookie. You see those, yeah. like, lazy, you know, steal attempts from behind. Always gets called on the foul on them. Exactly. Your hand, using your hands instead of your feet. You know, he can be a great defender, and I think he will get there. But in today's NBA, you got to be a 3 and D at least. You know what I mean? And his shooting is just so inconsistent. It doesn't even look right. You know what I mean? So that's my, my problem. As an offensive player, he looks totally out of place. He's – I saw somebody say it on Twitter, and he's just—he's—he's he's a zero on offense, literally. I mean, saw that too. Yeah. You might get one three-pointer out of him and a dunk on a fast break or something, but he's not ever going to ha- be a guy that has go-to moves on offense or that can open up and help an offense. Um, so, and that's why you saw him get less playing time in the last game because you know if you have Corkmaz out there, at least he can space the floor and shoot. You know what I mean? He and he even drives sometimes. You know, but um. Matisse, I, you know, I, I'm thinking the same way. Him, that first-round pick, um, I have seen uh, mock trades, you know, not including Matisse, maybe throwing Josh Richardson there instead. Then you have to outweigh, you know, who would you prefer to get rid of, you know, Josh Richardson, Matisse. Who, who are you going to replace? I mean, Josh Richardson has had an inconsistent year, but he's still an offensive player. And he does play decent defense. Yeah. So you're not just losing the defense with Josh Richardson. You're losing his offensive ability. Yeah. So, you know, you got to weigh that, and then you're going to have to replace him. He does have a very attractive contract, too. I think he's only on the books for, like, $10 million next year. So, I mean, he is a very valuable asset. But, you know, I'd be more willing to give up Matisse and his youth than than Josh Richardson big time. Yeah, because, I mean – Especially if you look at this playoff series against the Celtics, Josh Richardson has been basically what Tobias Harris is supposed to be, which is that second scorer. He's averaging like 18 points a game during the series right now. Um, so, you know, just imagining him with a more open offense, with more shooters maybe, you know. That's that's the one thing this offseason. We have got to get shooters, but we cannot forget about the defensive end either. You know what I mean? The main thing – is uh and, and I'll get into some of these mock trades here soon. Um we need ball handlers, excuse me. Um we, we need ball handlers and we need guys that can can you know at least give the threat of shooting. And, and you know that's why you know Neto is I know he's not a fan favorite because he doesn't score at a high clip, he doesn't shoot at a high clip, but he can at least handle the ball and not turn the ball over. And that's just been, you know, that first game killed us with the turnovers. The second game just got out, totally out of hand. But throughout the series, you see, you know, Shake Shake Milton's ball handling isn't even that great. You know, he's he's very unsteady with the ball. 
if T's can't like, handle the ball. Isn't, isn't Shake more of a two, I think, almost yeah, to yeah. He's like that. He's a spot up shooter. Yeah. He's a spot up shooter. He he can go off the dribble, but it has to be a quick move. It isn't him bringing the ball down and then attacking the rim. He has yeah. to go off a catch and then take off. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not your prototypical uh, point guard. And that's ultimately what we do need. So let me run just two of these trades that I've seen. And I'm not saying that I would do them. I just thought they were kind of intriguing um, and, and ultimately kind of realistic. Um, so for the first one, I saw the uh, New Orleans trade, you know, to bring in Drew Holiday. I thought it was a bit much to give up for, you know, an older guy in Drew Holiday, which he's not, he's not past his prime, I would say, but he is – you know, he's getting up there in age, and especially if you're bringing in, like, his level of a contract, which, I mean, if you're shipping out Horford out, I would take it, you know what I mean, immediately. But um, so the deal was Drew Holiday for Al Horford, uh, a 2020 round two pick, um, the 2020 uh, first pick via OKC, and then Shake Milton – and a 2021 first-round pick. Um, Basically, you're throwing in those picks to get Al Horford out of here. And um, it was interesting, you know. I I don't like the idea of giving up all those picks. Uh, If we could take one of the first-rounders out, I think that I might consider doing it just to get rid of that Al Horford contract. (laughs) But ultimately, you know, two first-round picks and a second-round pick plus Shake Milton – that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot wise. of picks. It's a, that, that second round pick too is almost like a first round pick because it's so early. I think they were. Yeah. I think I remember seeing that one too. I think it was the number thirty six pick, so the second of our four second round picks. And I mean, I'm a big Drew Holiday fan. I think he's got two years left on his contract. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It um, is too. So I mean, he can instantly step in and play that, you know, point guard position for us. You know, Simmons can stay that point forward. They could share the ball handling responsibilities. He's a great defender. He shoots right. fairly well. Um, he can play two also. You can play the shooting guard. Yeah. Um, he's got size. I, I love it. It's, it's a lot to give up. And I know if you give up, if you're getting Drew to give up Horford, you're going to have to throw and shake because they're going to want that, that guard to step into that role there. But three picks that are basically all first round picks, I, that's a lot. So I, I'd man. like to see one of those picks not go in it. I'd like to see two of those picks not go in it. You know? You know, yeah. I would I would even consider, you know, throwing Shake and Matisse in that deal. Instead you know, of the picks. In there, instead of the pick. Go the go one of the first or that second round pick, you know, Al Horford and throw Shake and Matisse in there. Um, that would almost make more sense to me just because it's a lot of picks to give up, you know. I don't know. It's see, and it, at least with that with that scenario, you do have basically Al Horford going out the door with that $100 million contract, so that would free cap space, and you would bring in a great quality player to the team. Yeah. You know, to your Perennial point, he can – all-star player. Yeah, exactly. And, and he can play the two spot, like you said. You know, they got Lonzo Ball in that starting lineup down there in New Orleans, so, and he's played with Rondo in the past. So he can be that two-guard type of guy where he plays off the ball, but he can also be that guy when Ben Simmons goes out the game, he can handle the, the point guard, uh, you know, position. So I think that is a uh, – I think that's a, a decent trade. The, the way you, re, uh, you know, reestablished it, that would be a great trade just because you are getting rid of Al Horford's contracts. 
So you, you do have to ship out Matisse and Shake. You get uh, Drew Holiday in at that to fill, you know, basically Shake's position, but way better. Um, you get rid of Al Horford, who's doing nothing, and then you do lose a Matisse Stiebel, who is a great defender. But, but now you have Drew, the who is, Drew is on almost yeah, star with. I mean, he's exactly. been, I think, a first-team All-Pro defensive team guy. Yeah, in the past, yeah, so. exactly. And then you do have the space that you can go out and maybe get another guy with that Al Horford free space. Now I know Drew has a he has a uh, not a hefty contract. It's a it's actually a pretty decent for his his playing ability. So it, it at least equals out better than Al Horford's. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the other trade I saw, which is an absolute no for me, um, it was Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and the first round number two pick. For Ben Simmons and Al Horford, that's a no from me. Um, the only way that I would do anything with Golden State is if they threw in like a Clay Thompson, as far as and I, I know they would rumors. never I saw do some that. Rumors on that too. I'm not ready for Clay. We don't know how he's gonna what come he's going to be like. Yeah. yeah, but that that's the only thing I would con- even consider. You know what I mean? With the number two pick, mm-hmm. but you you look at like a Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins that would just bring in more shooting problems and it would just look even more disgusting Draymond Green and Ben Simmons in the well I guess Ben Simmons would be going out but I would never why would you trade Ben Simmons for Draymond Green that's retarded it's not like Draymond comes in and is a shooter better than Ben Simmons so it wouldn't open up the offense I don't even want to comment on that trade proposal. <laughs> the thing, I mean, the thing I hate the most about the NBA trade deadline and right now in the offseason are the trade machines. And people just throw anything together. Just as long as it says successful, they think it's a right, great right. idea. But, you know, you need two teams to accept those deals. But the one thing I will comment on that deal and other deals is that since the trade deadline, um, which was now feels like ages ago that the trade deadline passed, um, I saw so many trade proposals with two players' names coming to Philly, and I want nothing to do with both players. Andrew Wiggins coming to Philly in any deal, and D'Angelo Russell before he went to Minnesota. It was him coming here. I want nothing to do with either of those players. They are gunners that have no defensive ability. They don't even shoot a high percentage, you know, two- or three-point shots. Yeah. I want nothing. They've been on nothing but losing teams. Uh, I want nothing to do with those two guys. They, they're not winners. I just I, I, stay away from Andrew Wiggins. Stay away from D'Angelo Russell. Please, please, please. In all trade proposals, if anybody sends me one, don't send me one with their names. <laughs> yeah, I agree, man. I think Andrew Wiggins just makes you know it's the same thing we're already dealing with with you know bad shooting, bad defense. I mean, who's you on know, a worst sh- max contract, Tobias Harris or Andrew Wiggins? Because he's on a max contract too. I would right. take Tobias Harris over over Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, those trades are a little ridiculous. Obviously, we've seen, like, the Devin Booker proposals, which Devin Booker's interesting. But at this point – consider it. Yeah. I'm I'm just not – I'm not doing Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, period, this year, period. I would give it at least one more season to see what we got with a new coach. But um, likely we'll see the Sixers get, you know, swept this uh, later today. Um, unless something miraculous happens, which, you know, don't be surprised if they win. I mean, yeah. it can happen. It's inevitable, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe they're, they're trying to save. They're not coming back and winning this series. No, no. The the Celtics look better than them. Um, I expect, you know, Jason Tatum, he had a not a great game last game. He'll probably come out and put the dagger in us, you know, th- this game today. 
And, um, you know, big changes are coming, man. And honestly, I'm, I'm with you. I, I can't wait to see what happens and just get it over with. I, I want to move on, honestly. it's It's been painful. And this playoff series especially has just been, you know, disgusting to watch. It, it, it's been painful, you know, against the Boston Celtics, a rivalry, a team that has, like, basically manipulated us and, you know, taken advantage of our, you know, mediocre management of a, of a franchise. And, uh, you know, you even look at the Celtics this year, they got the 14th pick. So, you know what I mean? They're just always outdoing us in everything. And, and, it, and it starts at the top, literally. But um, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll finish the show off with the Phillies talk. We'll go through this real quick. Um, we had a couple trades. I'll let Phil go through those trades a little bit with you guys. Um, I haven't been able to keep up with the Phillies as much. I've been, you know, heavy on the Sixers and, and Flyers playoffs. But um, I have been, you know, just checking in on the Phillies here and there. I did uh, – I was able to catch that game from last night against the Braves. Um which we, you know, blew another one. And, um, you know, Bryce Harper continues to play his, you know, MVP-level baseball. Um, the pitching, you know, Zach Wheeler continues to look like a stud, great money spent. We go out there and blow a great start by him last night. Um, Nola, you know, the night before, didn't have his best game. It was probably his worst game of the season, I would say. Um but we did, you know, you, you see the Phillies management. It's like, oh, you guys are actually alive. <laughs> like, they made a few trades, you know, for some relief pitching, some bullpen guys. And, um, you know, you have Workman come out there last night. And, you know, he, he kind of – I can't even remember. One, one pitch. <laughs> yeah, one pitch. And it was just like, <laughs> well, over, basically. One pitch. Yeah, like. So, um, Welcome to Philly, you know. <laughs> so – I mean, it was I just – It was like first – he came in first and third or second and third with no outs or one out and gives up that <laughs> double, and it's just like, yeah. What did you expect? Did you expect – Yeah, you way to fit in. Him, did you expect him to come in and shut the door there? No, I honestly I didn't. Was, I knew it was going to happen. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Hey, it's like, it's like you said, you know, a couple episodes ago, you know, bad pitching is contagious. It is. And, you know, it's not like he was some world beater anyways for Boston, but – comes in that first night and he fits right in <laughs> but um so you know we lost the last uh five I believe and then we won the four before that shows you complete inconsistency um we have a matchup this will end the series against the Braves this weekend right or do we play yeah. we play uh, the Nationals okay. tomorrow right yep yep okay national yeah. tv tonight ESPN oh, tonight. Man. so the whole <laughs> world gets to see this bullpen tonight <laughs> And they're going to see the worst of the two. I, I was reading something. I don't know who put it out there. Jason Stark, one of the guys that puts, like, the craziest of stats out there all the yeah. time. That since the mound has been put at where it is on the field, like distance-wise and all, yeah. since 1894, if the season ended today, it would be the worst bullpen statistically ever. So since 1894 – that is, I can't even do how many years in my head. That's what, 120, 130, 100, 136 years of baseball. The worst bullpen of all time. That is That's unbelievable. insane. Man. Which, once again, you know, speaks to the management to a very high extent. Um, 
You know, just as this season, and we've already talked about this, you know, if Bryce Harper gets fed up, you know, we already got JT basically, you know, looking like he's out the door. Because <laughs> his price is just going up, you know what I mean? But you, you, he, it, he wants to be here is my thing. Like, why not get the deal done? Um, you know, so I'm just wondering, what does it take to for Clintac either to one, switch the way – I don't think that's going to happen. He's not going to get better at his job. Um, what's it going to take to get him gone? You know what I mean? Between him and McPhail, um, what's it going to take? Gonna take I mean, miss, it's going to take them missing the playoffs. Yeah, which they, they probably will. I mean, half the teams are making the playoffs this year, if not more. But it's going to take, you know, that, and they're going to have to get rid of him. There, there, there's no ands or buts around it. Um, he's obviously just like Elton Brand. You know, he was too inexperienced for the job he was given, and he wasn't ready for the spot. And he's shown it time. I mean, he didn't even sign Bryce Harper. It took right, John right. Middleton, who we can debate on our show whether he's a good owner or not, you know, because he makes some stupid comments that backfire and all. But on the flip yeah, side, yeah. it took him stepping up and going to Bryce Harper and Bryce Harper's wife in wherever, Vegas or whatever he's from, and locking that deal down because Clentac couldn't get that deal done. You know, he couldn't get Manny Machado in here. You know, he, you know he's just time and time again not been able to make – the negotiations or whatever you want to say to get the big deals done. And it's, it's a shame. It really is. So, I mean, it's just time for him to go to and hopefully he's gone soon enough where the next guy could be hired and not lose JT Realmuto. Cause that's, that's the fear that they drag on the fire to Clentac. JT goes and signs with the Yankees, which is a hot rumor because you know, they're not, they're, they're losing interest in Gabby Sanchez up there in New York. So they've got the money to spend. They don't have the payroll that they used to. So they're going to throw a lot of cash. So, And why would you want to stay here if you're JT Real Muto? You want to catch these bullpens, you know? So they really need to move on to from Clintech as soon as possible so that we don't lose anybody. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree, man. And that to your point, it's just like what is attractive about the Phillies right now? Bad management, bad bullpen. What's attractive? The only thing that's attractive is the star power with Bryce Harper, you know, to build that. But, you know, you can't build the offense too much more. Like, there's not much more you can do with the no offense. offense and baseball, basically. You know right? what I mean? So, like, we have to do it, – it's just such incompetency to not address the bullpen. And then you're, you're not addressing the bullpen on top of not signing back one of the best catchers, if not the best catcher in baseball. So, it – you know, I, 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 got, I got a scary <laughs> rumor for you here. Yeah. Not a scary rumor. This is something I read before we came on to do this show. And it's been kind of in my mind for a few days now. And then I saw a Yankees uh, site reporting it and all. Is uh, something that we did with Cliff Lee back in the day. We traded away Cliff Lee, then brought him back when he was a free agent the next offseason. Is Clentac gutsy enough to know that we're not going to win this season? To trade away JT Realmuto right now and to trade away DD Gregorius right now? get some big prospects back for them right now, and then and still try to re-sign them in the offseason once he's fired and somebody else is here. I mean, it's not something I, w- I don't want to see either of them off our team because they're two of the three best hitters on our team and two of the three best players on our team. But, I mean, there's a lot of teams that could use a JT Realmuto and a DD Gregorius right now. You know, yeah. our, our minor league system, our prospect system is bare. We called up the only two guys in Bohm and Howard that's even remotely ready you know, is it something that you would consider doing? I, I saw it was a Yankees report because the Yankees 
reporter. It was like Bear Jim Salisbury or something like that doing it. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. It was like, there are two guys that they've heard rumors in Yankees camps that they have – there's rumors that there has been reach out to the Phillies by some GMs. Would you trade these guys? And it's like – it's kind of scary to think that. But on the flip side, you know, maybe that's that's a thing that, you know, you should be thinking about right now because we're not going to win a World Series this year. So no. you know, why not rebuild that minor league system? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm throwing this at you, you know, on the, on the cuff. No. Here. You know, it's, no, it's, no, I mean, it, to your point, it is. Ball, but we're at that point now. And we did that with Cliff Lee. We traded him away. I mean, none of the picks we got for – players we got for, uh, you know, Cliff Lee that year were any good. But then we were able to re-sign him in the offseason when he was a free agent anyway. Right. And uh, to your point, you know, I mean, if JT really does love Philly, then why not, you know, he'd be thanking us to just go and compete this year and then come back and, you know, have a better yeah. team around him. But um, that the only thing with that, obviously, is if he goes to that other team and they are just like, hey, man, we're going to give you a max. You know what I mean? We're going to give you the deal that you want. And uh, there, I'm, I'm sure there's some I'm sure there's some teams out there that would do that. So um, you just got to play your cards right. You know, it's like you said, we're not winning the World Series this year. So at this point, it's more. I, I'm more on the end of just not pissing, you know, guys like Bryce Harper and Aaron Nola. Um, these like stars on our team, these guys that are the cornerstones of our team, just not pissing them off and them demanding a trade. Like I, <laughs> if we do that, then we're starting all over. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're literally starting I'm, all over. I'm not going to back off of it. I think if this continues this year, the way it is, and if we go into next off season with Clentac still in charge and the team is still a mid-level team and a 500 team, I guarantee by the All-Star break next year, the trade deadline next year, there are the rumors that Bryce Harper wants out of town. It's not going to take five or six years. It's going to be halfway through his third year. He is going to be pushing his way out of town. It, it just, There's no way he's going to stay here for 13 years. Yeah, and, and deal he's with this. Do he's not yeah. going to do it. No, I agree. And he's got, so, the, he's got the power to demand a trade and get that trade. You know, Aaron Nolan exactly. maybe, but Bryce Harper – that 300 and some million dollars is has that power to to demand that trade and get get brought out so uh, yeah. it's, it's scary yeah and, and every year that goes by with Bryce Hunt, Harper under that contract it's you know it's going to look more and more like he's getting not underpaid but you know decent market value you know what I mean he's, he's playing value. at an elite level right now so for him to that caught co the contracts are just going to keep getting bigger you know what yep. I mean so um We'll finish up here. You know, uh, we did have the trades. What did you think? I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. Do you think it'll benefit at all? And, you know, does it take us to an, a better level of bullpen strength? Or is it just really a stalemate at that point? I mean, on paper, the moves, you know, you had David Howe came in, coming from the Yankees for uh, minor leaguer Addison Russell. And we got Workman and Heath Hembray for Connor Siebold, who was a, a pretty well-regarded. He wasn't one of our top 20 minor leaguers. But he's a pretty well-regarded 22- or 23-year-old relief pitcher. And Nick Pavetta, we finally got out of town. Thank God. Uh, so that alone is worth all the trades. We don't have to watch <laughs> Nick Pavetta pitch ever again in red pinstripes. <laughs> that is a positive there. Um, on paper, those three guys should make our bullpen better. They demoted Cole Irwin and uh, some other guys that just – they're just terrible, you know, relief pitchers and all. So on paper, they should be better. But like I said, pitching is contagious. Bad pitching is contagious. You know, you saw with Brandon Workman. I mean, he was coming over this year. He had like a four ERA with the Red Sox. But uh, 
in the past, you know, he's had a very he's he's a very successful relief pitcher. He should step into the closer role, role because Hector Neris just he, he's just not not got it this year. Right. Um, he didn't even he couldn't even handle the eighth inning last night. Um, Heath Henry, I don't know a lot about David Hall. I mean, he's had success, but a lot of inconsistent success in his career. So um, he's better than Cole Irwin, but you know, outside of that, he's not that. They're upgrades, but not. They're not going to turn us into World Series contenders, just these three guys. So right. it's not like they went out and got Aroldis Chapman or, you know, one of the top closers in the game. They got three mid, mid-level guys that are going to be put into, you know, Workman or Hal are going to be put into crucial spots that they might not be, you know, best suited in. You know, yeah. isn't suited as a closer, but forced to. You know, Workman might not be suited as a closer anymore, but he's now our closer. So, you know, sometimes relief pitchers don't handle that pressure well. So we'll see, but. Like I said, on paper, they're better. And on paper, we don't have to see Nick Pavetta again. So right, the trades right. are positive in my book, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, just speaking to your point, obviously, um, it wasn't some, you know, switching of stars, star players or anything. Um, it's, a, you know, hopefully they can win us a game or two here and there, you know, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully it makes, you know, a little bit of a difference. At least, our bull, you know. Maybe they get our bullpen ERA under eight at some point. Right now I think we're at 883 ERA out of our bullpen yeah, after last night's game. So if we could just get it below eight, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, if we could just find something consistent to move forward with, I, that would be great. You know what I mean? Just give us a consistent production, anything, man. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll finish off with that. Uh, Phillies. Not looking too much better than the Sixers. Looking like that's going to be, you know, <laughs> spinning out pretty soon. We need to talk more positive stuff. We're going to have to talk about today or something. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Every, uh, this whole episode outside of the Flyers talk has been nothing but negative talk. Seriously. I've been all Next about episode. the power of positivity, and this has been all negative. <laughs> Next episode, we're going fantasy football, and we're going uh, Eagles. We're uh, going football season, so we can be excited and be ourselves. Because, uh, you know, the Sixers and Phillies are just taking us out of our element. Um, the Flyers, you know, they're giving us something to live for right now. They're carrying us on. So, um, we got the Sixers at one today. They might or might not get swept. What's it matter? Um, then we got the Phillies at seven, national television. Hopefully, we don't get embarrassed, man, and can snag one of these three games against the Braves. Um, but you never know. We're going to go ahead and cap it off. You know, remember to follow my man, Phil, great co-host. I want to thank you for being on the show once again. Uh, Beard of Knowledge, also follow All About the Birds, A-A-T, Birds. Check out our articles. That's two for two, baby. Check out the new website. We're covering NFL everywhere, all of it, fantasy football, Eagles, training camp, everything. It's all on there. Check out the site. Uh, you can also find some of their episodes on there as well, the All About the Birds podcast. Um, I want to do one other yeah. plug for the show. I can't say it, but you got to follow our Facebook page, All About the Birds. There's something huge happening tomorrow, Monday night. So you got to follow the All About the Birds Facebook page because it's, it's going to be something. We, we, we like to say we set the trends. It's going to happen Monday night. So you got to follow the Facebook page. I'll be doing a live video sometime middle of the day on Monday pumping it up and everything. Nice. you got to follow the, the Facebook page to, to see it all. Look forward to it, man. Uh, remember, go follow All About the Birds. Check out the Facebook page, All About the Birds. Um, remember to follow Scotty Talks Philly Sports on Instagram and Twitter, STPhillySports1. 
Um, you can follow my personal account, Scotty Drown, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Remember to subscribe and like, review, comment, spread the love, share the stories. You know, um, we're just here button. to smash interact. The like smash them. Smash it. Smash them. Smash, smash them. That's it for today, guys. Remember to check out All About the Birds tomorrow on Facebook. Uh, great episode, Phil. This is going to be it. All right. Scotty out. Peace out, Phil.